hello, hello. Hootie hoops. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, it's the Hoops Talk coming at you again for this Wednesday afternoon. Which Live Wednesday, from Corona. Right, <laughs> I know. Um, I'm just going to say it, I'm the elephant in the room. Um, Kendall is not on this episode. Oh, so sad. But um, not to worry, she didn't leave us. No Rona. No Rona. She actually still has her wisdom teeth. So <laughs> I love how she had to tell us her age and say, yes, I still have my wisdom teeth. <laughs> so she still has her wisdom teeth and apparently they're like ready to pop out and she's going to get them pulled. And um, yeah, I have a feeling when she's not going to be in maybe the next episode either. We'll see how well it goes because I know I was out for a week when I got my wisdom teeth pulled. It's just not a joke. I mean, and besides, if you could take a week off and just be on like heavy narcotics Ooh. and eat ice cream. That's vacation. <laughs> right? Actually, that's not, that wasn't surgery. That was last Friday. <laughs> and then Wednesday and then the following <laughs> Thursday. Uh, Three-day weekends just like multi- end up multiplying with that kind of combination. Um, yeah, so she's not here, but you know what? This is this is like back in the OG days. Oh shit! In like our mm-hmm. closet slash fake kitchens. Well, you have the parasite kitchen. I was able to call it when I saw it. Yes, so very good. Kudos on me, cinephile, yes. right here. Cinephile. And I'm doing more of this like curated plant life situation background. So super LA. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I love my plant babies. Um, so yeah, so I had some of them come and sit in our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Three of them. Yeah, a few well, of them were on the YouTube uh, premiere <laughs> on Wednesday. Right? <laughs> They'll be there. They'll be there. The background in our audience. Um, well, how is San Francisco? How's it doing? How's it still like oh, a heat wave? Yeah, hot. As you can see, I'm still sweating. Um, it's been hot. It's been chill. Uh, a few, I think today they announced that for SF, they could start doing outdoor seating for restaurants. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we hanging in there We're we'll see what happens. How's, yeah. how's LA? How's, uh, you know, it's pretty mild here as far as weather wise. And, um, I heard they opened busy. up salons and stuff or yeah, started it- to. The beauty salons like hair to get your hair cut, but I don't think they've done nails or I haven't heard of anything like that um, or massages or anything. But you know what? They're trying to reopen, trying to do it safely. You know, we'll see. We're we'll continue our precautions, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tricky one. It's like super for tricky. The egg. Well, super someone tricky. on Twitter was like, "I'm a. I went to go talk to like a biochem or some scientist." people okay who are looking at the numbers for corona and he was like so are you guys gonna do outdoor seating for restaurants and they're like <laughs> in 2021 spring <laughs> i was like oh man maybe not <laughs> uh seriously well well let's let's all still be careful wash our hands wear a mask touch, don't touch face all that good stuff and just be safe out there But I'm glad that, um, you know, we still have some pretty decent weather and hopefully, I mean, they opened the pool in my apartment complex, but I like, no, but no, I read the protocol for it. I think it would be like up to six people. You have to sign in, you have a two hour limit. 
Um, and then they come and wipe everything down every three hours. And I'm like, is it even really worth it to have the pool open? But you know what? I guess. However, good, good luck. I ha- I'm like terrified to go to our mail room. I'm like, oh, oh, right. I'm like gloves, <laughs> mask. Don't touch me. But who knows? I guess it doesn't go through water. You know what? I'm not a scientist. I don't want to have misinformation. Come yeah. Out of I mean, it's chlorine. I don't I mean, know. That kills everything. Your hair. You know what? No misinformation on this podcast. Just listen to your local. Like I always said, we do Trump. not listen to us. We are not like doctors. We're so. not Trump's PR secretary. You know exactly. I mean? No, we're no affiliation. So just be careful. Just be safe. Listen to your protocols. Um, with that, I'm going to do a little bit of house cleaning and some updates as we normally do. Um, let's see. We ask you to please subscribe, like, and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and you know wherever you enjoy listening to your podcasts. Um, also, um, download the Good News Radio app where there are our podcast premieres live um, on the app. So if you get it and you listen to us on at 630, you'll get a push notification. Same goes with our YouTube channel. Um, where you can see our faces and our background and our guests. And I don't know, it's a lot of fun. We chat. We were chatting the other day in there with some peeps watching it live with us as we were like reliving the moments um, with Ari, who was our guest last week. Um, so yeah, so hit that up. And then we're also on Twitter and on Instagram at the Hoops Talking. And we have a TikTok page is run by our intern um, at the Hoops Talk Podcast. So that's all my updates. That's all my house cleaning. And I think we're ready to bring, we have a guest. We're doing a little, you know, we've been having a lot of Women Crush Wednesday, but we're going to switch things up and we're going to get someone who is not necessarily a woman, but he has had a lot of his basketball love come from the women's basketball game. So we're going to have him on right after this. <laughs> Hi, Antonio. How's hey. it going? Hi. How are you? Hi, Karen. Hi, Liz. We're, We're good. Doing- We're excited. Very excited. Very excited. Thank you, Antonio, for joining us on the Hoops Talk. So I want to give our audience a quick background. And, you know, if I get anything wrong, please feel free to jump in. So, Antonio, you are a sports analyst, journalist, a speaker, and a former NBA scout with the Phoenix Sun. You have over 15 years of experience, and you currently host a show called The Sports Connect, which is a digital media show where you discuss sports analysis and insights with a variety of sports talent and experts. Did I get that? Did I nail it? You did. You did. (laughs) You did. You did a great job. Thank you. (laughs) Um, And I know um, you and I had talked um, prior to recording and I learned so many enriching things that I wanted to talk about. So I'm going to try to keep us like on focus, but you're just someone who, in my opinion, your experience and your, um, just your overall knowledge um, is just, it, there's so much that you can offer and talk to us about. And I know, um, one of the things we were kind of talking about before we started was what is happening in the world today with the um, protests, with uh, sparked by the murder of uh, George Floyd, um, with um, you know uh, all the the pandemic also because you know and, and all of that. So I know you're currently in Dallas. Um, yes. So 
maybe you can touch upon that quickly and how that um, how that's affecting you, how you're seeing it affect the sports world, um, and maybe even how it's uh, kind of affected um, how you're proceeding in your own at, for your own show. Um, so one of the things, again, I appreciate you all sharing your platform with me. Thank you so much. Um, so I appreciate this opportunity. Um, one of the things that this sort of the pandemic really started for me is it's been ironic for me. It's as the world has started to shelter and come in, I've started to emerge a little wow. bit. And, and I mean that in the most respectful way possible. I don't mean that in a conceited way. Um, so you know, for the longest time, my wife has been telling me that I need to go back into sports media and talking about some of my experiences and leveraging those experiences, my relationships, et cetera, to offer my perspective and maybe it can help people. And oftentimes, one of the things that I really wanted to do in sports is really be a voice of help, a voice of change. And so this time has, has actually started for me it's really made me emerge and sort of come out of my shell. I love and, it. And, and part nice. of that is when I was working at ESPN in 2008, it was my job to sort of have a public presence. Mm. And then when I went to Nike, where we were negotiating deals with mm. uh, fast basketball players and negotiating deals with high-level basketball programs in college, that sort of lends itself to be very secretive. Mm. And... And the same thing when I worked for the Suns in the NBA, um, who we're drafting, who we're signing, who we may release, who we may trade, mm -hmm. all of those different things are really secretive. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when you put that perspective out in the public, you could actually be running some misdirection mm -hmm. to sure. sort of trip up your, uh, the opposing teams as you're thinking about your personnel. So it really lends itself to being very secretive and the other thing as well, when you work in the NBA as a scout, sometimes when I was at ESPN and even when I was at Nike, that mentorship, that ability to help families and help players with information that mm -hmm. I may have come by as a scout, sure. as someone that worked in the league, worked in the media, et cetera, all of those things I would like to sort of pass on to mm -hmm. the families as they're going through this process, because you all know this process is just crazy. Yes. And if you really haven't had any experience in it, there's no way to know what's coming around the corner. True. And, you know, it doesn't start just when you are a professional on the cusp of becoming a professional. That starts when you are a high-level athlete and you're picking a college. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. because there's all sorts of things out there and all sorts of things that the players, women and men, need to consider when they are picking a college, if they're good enough, Right. to play on that professional level. And even if they're not, actually, um, one of the things I like to say is you need to put yourself in a position to when a school is recruiting you and you're able to leverage your talent to pay for school, yeah. you need to be in a position from an academic standpoint as well to make a business decision. Sure. And, and oftentimes when people are picking schools, they don't make business decisions. Right. It's all about, I grew up rooting for this team my entire life. Well, sure. that may not be a reason that you should choose that school. Right. So um, being able to offer that information and, and being a conduit for some of the players as they're going through the process is something that I really miss. And right. being in this capacity is something that you can really do that again. You don't have sure. any restrictions in terms of 
who you talk to, what gyms you're in, et cetera. Sure. You know, it's funny because um, one of the one of the points that you made when we uh, spoke a couple of weeks ago was that you mentioned that pro players are trained to figure things out for themselves on the court, right? And how to make the next move and problem solve and score, et cetera, is all something they train for for when they're playing. But mm-hmm. off the court, they're lacking the ability to understand how and when to ask for help, you know, mental health, careers, you know, what's life after sports. Can you talk a little bit about that and how it pertains to your experience and maybe even how your, your thoughts on transparency and what's happening, what's happening in the world today, what's emerging in the world today? Um, how can you express a little bit more on that? For sure. Um, one of the things I know for me as a player, and we are talking about basketball here specifically, sure. mm-hmm. in college, basketball is a two-semester sport. Mm-hmm. So especially if your team is really good, you play in the beginning of April. Mm-hmm. So, And you will start in October. That's the first official day of practice. And so this is just, almost, sorry, not to interrupt, but this is also men's basketball. Yes, yes. Men's actually, college. Well, both. Oh, okay. You okay. Start, yes. Okay. You'll start in, in women's college basketball. That official, that first official day of practice in college is the same for everybody. Got it. So, so when you play college basketball, you are sacrificing a lot. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we go to college to do is to prepare us for whatever uh, career that we decide that we want to embark on once we're finished playing, if you're not good enough to be a professional. Or if you choose to not be a professional. Got it. So with that being said, when you go to college, one of the things that you're doing is you're building relationships. You're getting internships. Got it. And when you Mm -hmm. are a college athlete and you play basketball, you oftentimes give up that opportunity to get internships. Mm. And if you're not really diligent about it, the only time that you can really do it is in the summer. And now we are turning college basketball into a year round experience now Got it. because a lot of the players go to school for the summers because the NCAA has allowed a couple of hours a week of actual on the court training mm-hmm. with your coaches. And so, and then you also have strength and conditioning um, that goes on as well during the summer. So we're turning this into a year round endeavor. And when you do that, you give up a lot of those things that the, quote unquote, average college student has access to studying abroad. It's all of those different things you give up. Mm. And those are experience, experiences that enrich you for your career when you're done playing basketball, whether that's after you graduate from college, whether you play a few years professionally, mm-hmm. or whether you play 20 years professionally. Mm. And so oftentimes as well, one of the things that, that you uh, alluded to, Liz, was that ability to problem solve that athletes have so because of our competitive nature and again going back into college when we get into corporate america corporate america loves athletes because we can persevere we can multitask we are team players we learn to sometimes especially when you get to college you sometimes may be on a team that you may not be best friends with everyone on the team (laughs) Sure. Right. So you still have to be effective and you still have to do your job and and pull your weight and you all have to connect to accomplish various tasks. And you have to do that regardless of how you feel about the people that are on your team. 
So those are aspects that you bring to the corporate world. Mm -hmm. And with our competitive nature as athletes as well, we are always figuring things out on our own. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to that professional level, sometimes because you have that ability to figure things out on your own, coupled with your financial power and impact, you become the problem solver for your your family and your friends as well. So with you having all of these abilities to your sometimes you're looked at as superhuman Hmm. and you have all of these abilities to figure things out on your own we sometimes lack the ability to know how to ask for help Hmm. and and so and oftentimes we not only do we not do we lack the ability to ask for help we can't oftentimes ascertain when we actually need to ask for help right because we're so programmed to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. When we're playing in games, yes, there are great coaches on the women's side and the men's side. My wife actually played for one of the great coaches, Barbara Stevens, who was being inducted oh, nice. in the uh, twenty now 2021 because yeah. they moved it because right. of COVID-19. But she is being inducted in the Hall of Fame along with Kim Mulkey, the great Kobe Bryant, uh, Tamika Catchings, Tim yep. Duncan, Kevin Garnett, et cetera. So, we play for these, these coaches are incredible. We play for these coaches and yet we, we lack the ability to figure things out on our own Mm. in terms of asking for help. Mm. And we're very severely underdeveloped in that realm oftentimes. And you hear that when athletes, when people say that athletes are their competitive nature, they're wired incredibly for their respective sports, but they may be wired poorly for life. Right. So, after that sport, now real life comes. Right. And I can talk for me after I finished playing and I finished playing, my first job was in the NBA in the league office. I'm around basketball every day mm. and I'm working in basketball. I actually was in uh, working primarily in WNBA basketball operations. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was doing that, um, I'm around the sport every single day and I love what I'm doing. And as I love what I'm doing, I'm playing in a, an urban professionals league in New York. So there are a lot of people like me that play, okay. that are now playing in the league. Right. And I say that because there was a sense of loss there for me as well. Mm, okay. Yeah. Because once that competitive juice is, is sort of turned off and right. the mechanism where you can exercise that competitive juice, once, those, once that's turned off, now you have to find what are you going to do? And I went through a period where I was not myself. Okay. And, and you know, from a mental health standpoint, I'm so glad that we're talking about mm. that. But I went through a period where it was, here it is, I'm living in New York City. I'm working around basketball every single day. And I don't feel like myself. Wow, because you crazy, yeah. don't, yeah, it's just, it, you're not it, on the really, court. You're not on the field, right. you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And playing in the urban professionals league is different. Sure. That's different because as an athlete, one of the reasons why, again, the mental health, one of the reasons why athletes sort of quote unquote, hold on too long was, mm-hmm. I, and, and I don't mean this in a way where I'm passing judgment on anyone, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a vice except competition. Mm-hmm. That was my vice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it <Right>? is. <laughs> and, and, and so you get addicted to that feeling of when you're on the road and you make an incredible shot and mm. you pan the crowd and you look at 
basically take the collective air of, of, of the building out yeah. and take it out of them. Yeah. And I got addicted to that. Sure. And sense, now yeah. when I go and compete in the Urban Professionals League, there's nobody there. <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, well, I mean, that actually brings up a really good point because now I know we want to talk about this um, later because there's some stuff developing on the proposals to start the season. But one of the things that the players are going to have to deal with is not having fans in the in the stadium. How do you think, how is that going to work? I mean, you you just told the great story about how that did for you as an individual. Now think about a LeBron not getting a clap or Giannis not getting the, that rush for those great plays. Mm-hmm. What what do you think is going to happen? Do you really think the players are going to be able to play at a certain level or are they just going to at one point be like, you know what, I don't care, put out the, you know, the backups, the reserves, I don't want to play. Right. Or what What right. are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, because I'm sorry, because because realistically, they say, oh, you know, first LeBron was like, I don't I don't I need to have fans. And then he's like, I'm on a no, we we don't care. And like, so they go back and forth and I'm not sure what's real. So maybe you can tell us what's more real. <laughs> well, as a player, um, it, it will certainly take some getting used to um, because, um, again, you get used to that, especially when you are LeBron or Giannis mm-hmm. or Kawhi when you are, you become the attraction, attraction yourself. Sure. And so you're almost like a traveling rock band. You're just playing. <laughs> it's just wrapped in basketball. Sure. So when those, when you're that level of player, it's a packed house every night, whether you play, you're playing your 41 games at the Staples Center, or I guess with the Lakers and Clippers, that's probably 43, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, so you're playing your 43 regular season games sure. at the Staples Center. Right. And you're playing your um, other 40 on the road. And so with that being said, or your other 39 on the road. So it is always a, a packed house for those players. Sure. And Giannis, 41 at home, 41 away. It's always a packed house. Got it. And so with that being said, um, it will certainly take some getting used to for them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of the other teams where the crowds may be a little more sparse, maybe it's a different experience for them but for that high level player that's always used to playing in a Mm -hmm. packed house and whether that crowd is against them or for them it will be an adjustment and sometimes as a player too when you play on on the uh, WNBA or the NBA level even in the WNBA even if they play a regular season 36 regular season games Mm -hmm. well they're also playing in Europe as well so I say that for a reason. They're playing year-round, and the NBA players are virtually playing year-round as well. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, when you play that amount of games, it is a grind physically. Sure. It's yeah. a grind. And sometimes you need a lift. And part Got of that it. lift is the crowd. Sure. Whether you're at home, whether you're away, right. the crowd gives you that lift. And now when you don't have that, Right. You have to summon that on your own. Whew. Yeah. And and sometimes that can be difficult. Now we're in a different situation mm-hmm. with league the league being suspended for some months here. Right. And right. we haven't even had a start for the W. So maybe right. the players will be different. But it, it, it will be an adjustment for sure without the crowd. The other thing, too, um, they will certainly have to pump in some sort of noise. 
because mm. as we know, these players are competitive in the W and yeah. in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So some things are said, right? <laughs> and, and, and some things are said that I, I remember one time for me in particular, we were playing at a place that didn't have a, a basketball tradition. We're playing on the road. Right. And um, I was playing defense and I ripped the guy clean. It just at half court, nobody was there. So it's really, so there was no other players around. Right. It was really plain to see that this was a clean play. Okay. Yeah. So I ripped this player and, and um, a foul was called. And I grabbed the ball and ran to the other end of the floor. And I yelled out, that's BS. Right? <laughs> and, and nobody was there. So, yep. of course, I got the team. Sure. And, and um, so, so those players that are used to that, again, in the W and in the, and in, in the NBA, yeah. there are things that are said, right. right, that the noise of the crowd sort of, it drowns it out. Sure. And right. now, so you want with kids watching, uh, mm. brands are watching as well. What you don't want is, or you don't want the players having to dial back their intensity mm. because they're worried about what they're going to say. Wow. Because all of that is great theater. We love that as sure. fans. When we yeah. watch them oh, yeah. go bantering back and forth. So totally. opera and, basketball, yep. Yeah, right, for sure. Right. So we so they're going to have to come up with some sort of remedy because again, mm. you don't want these players playing and worrying about, okay, if I say this, will this affect my brand? And you don't want the league to have to worry about their branding because there's some things that are said. And so um <sighs> So the players, it will be an adjustment. Mm. And, and uh, yes, they're all competitive. Yes, mm. they want to uh, be the best versions of themselves. Mm. But you also don't want them to be guarded in what they say and how they compete either. Right. Because that's great theater. Well, I never even thought about right the, that with that the whole, laugh track they need to add. Yeah, I, <laughs> honestly, right, I didn't. Right. I mean, I, I thought about it in the context of like, how you mentioned um, when you need that extra push and the crowd's able to do that. But I never thought about it from the perspective of, you know, things that could be said that could be detrimental to their brand or the NBA brand. Um, because, you know, words and hands are caught in some of these games. And if, you know, they have to watch themselves for that, that could definitely change the style of play. That's so interesting. I never even thought about that. But I mean, that's why we got you on. You can tell us, give us, a, give us the insider breakdown. Um, you know, and just as you, you mentioned the W um, as part of this conversation as well, because we know yes. that they're proposing the season. Uh, something that you, you and I had talked about um, a couple of weeks ago also was um, that for you growing up, a big part of your socialization was basketball and in particular uh, women's basketball, because yes. um, you said, you were mostly into football between football and baseball until the age of 10. You had an yes. aunt that played basketball. And then you were really, what really got you were, were um, the USC women's basketball team in particular, those that were in the women of Troy documentary, mm -hmm. Cheryl Miller, Cynthia Cooper, Paula and Pam McGee, Juliet Robinson, Rhonda Winham, and the USC head coach, Linda Sharp. And yes really was the woman's game that got you into play. Can you tell us a little bit more about that whole, you know, socialization part? Yes, yes. Um, again, I was, like you said so eloquently, Liz, I was a football and baseball nut. And 
Um, so that's what I was really concerned about and did not like basketball at all. So it's so ironic that I have this ongoing, never ending love affair with this sport. And because initially I did not like it. I didn't grow up with a ball, a basketball in my hand. I grew up with a football and a baseball in my hand. Um, and so again, dating myself, this is in during the times when you had one or two TVs in the house and right. Seniority rules. So um, when I was watching a football game and my aunt, shout out to my auntie Yvette, who is a a really good basketball player in her own right. When she wanted to watch uh, basketball, um, that meant, okay, you got to watch basketball. You got to watch basketball. Yeah, you got to watch ball. Watch yeah, yeah. Seniority, seniority rules. So, um, you know, so I started watching basketball. And, you know, of course, being, with Southern, being in Southern California, um, uh, by way of St. Louis, um, the women of Troy, Cheryl Miller, Cynthia Cooper, et cetera, all those great women that you named were part of not only my introduction and socialization into, quote, unquote, women's basketball, mm-hmm. That was my socialization and introduction introduction to the sport That's of beautiful. basketball. Yeah, it's awesome. And so, so as I started to gain this love affair of basketball and watching the artistry that these women played with, mm-hmm. it influenced how I wanted to play. Cool. And just uh, how great they were, how versatile they are. I mean, Cheryl Miller, in terms of being ahead of her time, what she did as a player that was a big that could also play out on the perimeter. And, mm. you know, can't, and it's so funny because Fred Williams is one of, was one of the uh, assistant coaches on that team. Mm. He's now an assistant coach for the Sparks and he's coaching Candace Parker. That's right. Cheryl Miller's legacy. Love right. And, yeah, I love that. Right. So, mm. so all of those players, my wife was like that. My wife was a Division II mm. All-American and she was a four, but she could also go out on the perimeter. So Got that's it. Cheryl Miller's legacy. Right. And, and so again, as a, there are many of, and I'm all about the empowerment of women, mm. but my basketball fandom does, when I watch women play, and I hope that this isn't taking the, the wrong way, but when I watch women play, and I'm a big fan of the W, I'm a big fan of women's college basketball, that's not to support women. It's to mm. see incredible people play basketball. I right. love that. Yeah, and, I got and, it. And, and I don't mean that to diminish women. That's no, not no, I got it. We got it. Yeah, right. We got That's it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. All is so, well. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm watching incredible women play and marveling at their artistry. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and and so um, so yes, they were a big part of how I was introduced introduced to the game, mm. how I wanted to play because this is before Michael Jordan and I wore number twenty three. <laughs> and this is before Michael Jordan coming into the league. Yeah. Right. When, when, when they were doing their thing at USC, yep. Michael Jordan was still at Carolina yep. at the mm-hmm. beginning of mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. so, so that was really my introduction into the game. And I love them, love them. And, um, you know, so one of the things that you talked about, Liz, that we talked about is that meritocracy part. Yes. And that was one of the things that, really stuck out to me when I watched it because when I watched this and then I watched the last dance, I started thinking about the, um, I, I started thinking about the, sorry, no, the, okay. the parallels between, and I have do not disturb on, <laughs> but, <laughs> You're good. Um, I started thinking about the parallels between Michael Jordan and Cheryl Miller, mm, nice, yeah. given the fact that 
it has to be crazy. It's got to be a crazy feeling that you are in the conversation for being the best to have ever competed in your mm -hmm. respective sport. And you're not in control. You're not in control of how long you can play or if you can play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Michael Jordan, all-star game MVP in 1998, mm -hmm. wins the NBA title in 1998, mm -hmm. wins um, NBA, uh, wins the uh, finals MVP in 1998. Mm -hmm. You won six titles in the 90s. You're not even in control of, do you get to continue? Even right. though your so talent nice. says you should be able to do that. Yeah. And so then you have Cheryl Miller at 22 years old. And she is probably the, she is the best that I've ever seen. And, and it's probably the best to ever lace them up. Mm. And you're 22. You haven't even reached your prime. Right. And there's no league here for you to display your wares. No, That's yeah. got to be yeah. a crazy feeling. For sure. It, it has to and, be. It has yes. to be. Because I know, uh, you know, we've talked about um, uh, Kendall. She's a big fan of Amy Trask. And, yes. you know, that's another person who's like, you know, I, a, a lot of you'll find in these greats, they say, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it. I just knew that I had to do what I had to do. Yep. Right. And when you have someone like Cheryl Miller, who's like, I don't, I just do what I know I have to do because it's within me. And then they put a big stop sign because there's right. nothing for her to go past. It's like, wow. It is so you know, crazy. That's it's like so crazy. It has to be like not just mental, but also a physical just manifestation of your end. I just for think. sure. For sure. And then the other thing too, if if you even think about it for from a a, a selfish standpoint, mm. if people were really concerned about branding, here you are in Los Angeles, California. Mm -hmm. You have these women that are incredible players. Mm -hmm. And 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 mm -hmm. they're also they also have and and I don't mean this to marginalize them at all, mm -hmm. but they also have from an aesthetic standpoint, you can oh, yeah. brand them. Oh yeah, right? yeah. We talk about right? that about the W so, all the time. Yes, There's yeah. so yes, many opportunities yes, there. Totally. Yes, you can brand them. And again, I don't. I'm being respectful as possible. <laughs> oh, right? you you're good. But, <laughs> so, but you can brand them as well. That was a huge miss. Oh, a absolutely. Huge miss. Absolutely. And 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 with the and then the Olympics are now coming to LA. That is a huge miss. It's huge. Yes. It's huge. Yes. I and, find and so I'm sorry, go I was just ahead, gonna, I was just gonna say, you know, I do find it interesting how much money is left on the table and and these people are supposed to be like financial gurus and looking yeah, at the right. business and mm -hmm. CEOs and they have all these degrees and you know, diplomas on the wall, and yet they leave money on the table so many times because of their lack of perspective or they're, they're blindsided by not having those different perspectives in the room. And I think right. that's something with you, I would assume, because of you know, your love of women's of basketball through women's basketball and then it also developing your own game, that had to be something that you, you brought into the scouting table i, would, yeah, I right. would assume how did that mm -hmm. i mean did were you looking you had to have brought that different perspective coming from watching women's basketball yes yes and and um it's and that also those thoughts and those skills were also grown in my time in sports marketing at nike mm -hmm. also um so it, it made me yeah. look at the game from a different perspective sure. as well as when i worked at espn i'm in the media and you're as you're mm -hmm. in the media 
Um, you're also gaining these relationships with players and you're learning about all of the organic or in, innate things that are unique to them or things that they're passionate about totally. that brands can leverage once these players become professionals. And now we're seeing that this is so crazy that we're, it took this long for it to happen, yeah. where at least a college players are able to make money off their likenesses now right. and, and marketing money. So it's so crazy. Yeah. And, and, um, but see that. And so when I was scouting, there were times as well as I am, when we are scouting, we certainly are trying to ascertain what type of person this particular player is that we're looking to draft right. or looking to sign or looking to trade for. Right. And so when you are doing that background work, and, and I did a lot of that background work when I was with the Suns because mm -hmm. of my time at ESPN at Nike. So just having different relationships um, and different experiences helped right. me in that regard. So when you are doing that, one of the things that I'm thinking about as I'm talking to this player is, hey, this would be a great thing for our marketing department to know about. Right. This would be a great aspect about your personality that our communications department needs to know about. Or right. your agent should reach out to this charity or to this cause because right. this is something that you are organically passionate about. Right. And we don't have to manufacture that. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that you see from a branding perspective is when you are in, um, in the sports world and mm -hmm. we're watching these players, you really, and now that we have social media, we have Twitter, we have Snap, mm -hmm. we have mm -hmm. IG, consumer is saying now, if you want me to pay a premium for whatever product that you are attached to, whatever mm -hmm. product or whatever company you're partnered with um, and you are, are, are essentially pushing their products, the consumer is saying, if you want me to pay $200 for a pair of sneakers, whether it's fair or not, I need to know something about what you stand for, right. especially in this time with the things that we have going oh, yeah. on in the world. Yeah. So with that being said, we, the, the brands have to know what resonates with the players organically right? and, 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 and what are opportunities that they can leverage to um, make sure that it connects at retail because even in the, in the case of, this is why it was such a huge miss with Cheryl Miller, mm -hmm. because when you look at Michael Jordan, it's not always about, from a retail standpoint, if you're leveraging things, it's not about if you are um, someone's favorite player. Uh, mm -hmm. best, it's not about if you're the best player, mm -hmm. excuse me. It's about if you are the, if everybody's favorite player. Mm -hmm. And when you can have the best player and everyone's favorite player embodied in one person, mm. that's the home run. That's right. Michael yeah. Jordan. And yeah. the miss was when we had the opportunity, and I was just a kid when this was going on, mm. but with, with Cheryl Miller, she was everybody's favorite player. And, yeah. and, and in addition to being the best player, and there was no sort of presence to try to merge both of those worlds. Right. And right. so even if you are selfish, you can see that. Right. <laughs> right. And, 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 and I just look at it now. And again, I, this is from my experience as a scout working in the media, working in yeah. sports marketing. Um, I, I just look at that and I'm like, how could people miss that? Right. It's just amazing. Yeah. Well, taking all of that information that you have, I would love for you to tell us how is this now 
how are you manifesting this now for your dad? I'm sorry, for your daughter, because you are a girl dad. Yes. And um, I know you said she's doing a lot. She's doing some soccer, some tennis, some swimming. Still hasn't gotten the basketball bug. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but how, how are you seeing um, what's happening or, you know, from, all, from what we've talked about and what you know, and your wife as well, having played um, basketball, how is that manifesting for your daughter? How do you see, like, we know, you know, there was Kobe Bryant, who was a huge W, um, you know, advocate. I mean, he was a co-conspirator really going, going on there. Um, Gigi, right. you know, right. there was tons of momentum. And then the pandemic hit and, you know, almost like, a, you know, a, it came to happen was the momentum was lost because of the pandemic um, yes. for women's sports. But where, where do you see that as a girl dad now? Like, how are you going to push that forward for her? What are you seeing as you don't want to have that stop sign that Cheryl Miller had? Um, how, what are some things that you, you are putting forth? Well, one of the things for sure is to the fact that if she so desired, she can play in the W right. and she can aspire to play in the W. And the W is just so important. It's so needed. Mm -hmm. And because mm -hmm. there it. are, there are so many talented girls that are playing this sport mm -hmm. that need, they need a vehicle to display their talents right. and they should not have to go to Europe to do that. Right. And, and if they, if they desire to go to Europe, then great. But, you know, also too, with the W as we're on this topic, mm -hmm. people don't realize how difficult it is to make the W. Mm, In the yeah. NBA, it would be absurd to hear that a first round pick is cut before they play the game. In, in yeah, the, in yeah. The game. it's, so it's absurd, right? Yeah. So we now we don't have enough teams. So yeah. you have talented women, mm -hmm. super talented women that are first round picks, and they and, and teams can't afford to develop them. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it really is, that's something that I feel like we need to fight for. When mm -hmm. I was working in the W and I was working in NBA as, in the NBA as an associate, there were 14 teams. Mm -hmm. We now have 12 right. with 12 jobs per team. So there are 144 players in the league, right? <laughs> it, it, it's insane. It so is small. insane. So as difficult as it is to make it in the NBA and it's, it's, crazy difficult mm -hmm. it's even more difficult to be in the w Insane. And, and so it, it's but at, at the same time it's so refreshing and it's so good that there is a vehicle for talented players to play and now we're seeing the player it's so great for me because i was actually at the forum when lisa leslie and rebecca lobo were at half court in the ceremonial tip I was there. <laughs> nice. And, nice. And yeah. so now the players that we're watching now watch them. Right. And so it's so it's good to see that and to see mm. because again, um, when we going back to uh Pamela McGee, people mm. forget this. And even Cynthia Cooper, as dominant as Cynthia Cooper was in the W, that was the tail end of her prime. Yeah. She was 34 years old. Man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that was so we didn't see her getting into her prime in her early to mid 20s. And then when she got into her prime, we didn't see that because there was no outlet. Right. And, yeah. and the fact that we have the W is so great. 
Um, so with my daughter, we're going to games this summer for sure. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we can't wait to see the. Uh, I, I think because of because of proximity, and also sure. because we we like we like Satu Sabali as well. Oh yeah, yes. like, we love her. I, I we love, love her. her. Great, we love her. Love her. Yeah, love I'm surprised she went. I mean, I yeah. know why she went number two, but still, a lot of question marks. I, I cannot <laughs> wait to watch her. I can't wait to watch her because I, I love her as, as a scout. I love her as a player. Right. And again. That's Cheryl Miller's legacy, right. watching a, a big that can do all of those things on the perimeter, right. play with pace. I can score in the paint as well. Mm-hmm. She, she shoots jumpers with her left. I can score around the rim with my right. I can right. do that, but I can also take you out and hit this three on you. Right. I can also pull up in the mid range. I can also create off the dribble and get all the way to the bucket. That's Cheryl Miller's legacy. Right. And watching Tamika catch, catching, that's Cheryl Miller's legacy. Mm-hmm. And, and and so um, so my daughter and other girls having the ability to watch these players, it's amazing. And and um, so that's and then the other thing too about the W that I like to say is oftentimes people compare the W to the NBA. The NBA we're almost at the 80th season. Mm. The W is about to play their 24th season. <laughs> Right. Big difference. So, so to put that in perspective, yeah. when the great Magic Johnson and, and the great Larry Bird came, in, came to the NBA mm-hmm. and they played in the finals in 1979, the NBA finals were on tape delay. They weren't even shown live. <laughs> wow. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so right. That, so that's in 1979. The yeah. league had been a while for, around for a while. Yeah, right? you're right. So people compare W to the NBA now. Right. And none of us are weren't, weren't we weren't around when the NBA was 23 years old. Right. Right. We weren't yeah. around. Yeah. So with that being said, I, I think people need to really appreciate the artistry of these players. And if yeah. you're looking at this from a business standpoint, if you want to compare apples to apples, go back and look at the NBA when it was 23. Right. Right. So when so you have smart. Magic Johnson and Larry Bird playing on tape delay yeah. in the finals. What that's saying is the league is on life support, yeah. right? That's what it's saying. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and so, right. And, and again, I was part of that. But again, being a football and baseball person, I was part of the reason why the league was on life support. It right. was, they, the league wasn't reaching kids back right. then. So um, I, I think people don't look at the W the way that they should. Right. And um, it's an amazing game. The women are amazing players. Yeah. And every person that I remember my first year being in the league office, mm. and these were epic battles. The battles between the Detroit shock, mm. right? That yeah. ended up being the Tulsa shock. That ended up being the Dallas wings. Right. Right. But the battles, your team, I'm assuming your team. <laughs> well, well, my team were the Sparks. Okay. Yeah. LA, okay. Now, right? LA. yeah. So, Battles between the Tulsa Shock and the Sparks when they were competing in the finals in the early 2000s, mm. it was epic. Mm. And you had two teams that were great teams, had great players, mm. right? Tweety Nolan, um, uh, Cheryl Ford, Swin Cash, mm. I, mm. And, and, and I can go yeah. on and on. <laughs> and then, of course, Delisha Milton, Lisa Leslie, Tamika Dixon, yeah. Mawadi Mabika, et cetera, right? Epic battles, epic. And then the coaches are Michael Cooper 
and Bill Lambeer. Mm -hmm. Epic battles between wow. the Pistons and the Lakers. Yep. Right? Yep. So these teams don't like each other. Yeah, no. Right? right? <laughs> yeah. They didn't like each other. So, and the battles were epic. And I remember being in my first year, I remember having to go to Detroit mm. and going to the palace for the finals. Mm. And I remember how loud it was. Mm. And I remember watching these great players play that don't like each other. Right. And for me, an adrenaline, a basketball adrenaline junkie, it was, I'm there as a league official <laughs> and my palms are sweating. And I'm like <laughs> sitting on the edge of my seat. I want to jump out there. It, it was just, it was epic. It was epic. And so wow. I'm saying, and I'm actually sitting next to men that said, I've never been to, this is my first time attending a WNBA game. Wow. And they were hooked. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so that that's, I think it's important that the league continues to grow. Mm -hmm. I think the league also has to be mindful about finding opportunities where they yeah. can continue to brand the players because as the league has kind of tried to survive, it's often become about the teams like football. Mm. And yeah. you can do that in football when, you, when every game's a holiday because you're playing once a week. Right. But when you play a sport where the games you're having multiple games a week, yeah. it's gotta be about the players. Yeah. And they have that formula sort of, they got it down pat for the men in the NBA. Yeah. You need to start seeing more efforts on the WNBA side in terms of branding these players if yeah. you really want these players to be pop the pop culture figures that they actually can be yeah. and that they actually are. You're so right. We talk about this a lot uh, and you know we talk about like why are we not seeing more of these stories being built for the W and the different players. You know, the hopes is that maybe, you know, with Sabrina coming in and what she's bringing, you know, maybe that could jumpstart it, you know, as like the new generation, right. you know, it, there has, but, but uh, also beyond Sabrina, right? How many of those other players um, ha have stories because if you yes. look at even like NBA right it was all about Zion this past season and in mm -hmm. reality it became a story about John Morant yep you right. know and it was something right. that just developed because they were there was a breather right so like thinking about Sabrina and if what else is going on around her and maybe you know they have uh, the new commissioner Kathy Engelbert and hopefully you know she'll have that mindset and she'll she'll be able to uh, develop that, which I think would be really um, a smart move for the W, 100%. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Because for me, um, again, liking that competitive nature and addicted right. to that. And shout out to Kelsey Plum, get, get well soon. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, speedy yeah, recovery. Yeah. Um, I was so looking forward. The, the pettiness between <laughs> the Mystics and the Aces. Oh, my goodness. So good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Oh, so good. It's so it. good oh, right? I and, mean, Liz Cambage alone, right. you know? Right, oh, right. She's so right. good. Right. <laughs> and I couldn't wait to, to watch them play. Right. I couldn't wait. And um, so, so I, I, and so many stories that we can tell. Yeah. Liz has her own story. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and um, she yep. has her own story. Yeah. And, and so incredible player. The things yeah. that she's been through in Australia with the things that we have going on right now. Totally. Um, it, it's, it's so many things that the league can 
yeah. really be mindful about making sure that we capitalize on and not just painting with broad strokes and Agreed. it's all about the teams, all about the teams. It's about Agreed. these players. Agreed. Agreed. And we, you know, we also have seen the, the W being much more um, uh, there. They take on activism a lot more yes. in the social league. Justice, uh, social justice. They've, they've been at the forefront, um, you Community know, stuff. Yep. Natasha yes. Cloud was just named the first female um, brand for uh, Converse. She's the yep. first female basketball athlete. Um, she's uh, bisexual and biracial. So, you know, mm-hmm. and she's like giving the voice to the voiceless. I mean, there's just so many she's stories incredible. there. Oh, seriously, like. She's incredible. And I, I love point guards too. Yeah, same. She talks a lot very about point. point yeah, she does talk a lot about point, uh, about being a point guard with the Mystics and how she has to had to develop that confidence, right? Because you got to make those plays, and you got no someone question. like Elena Del Don, and you know you got the, the, some real veterans no that question. you just gotta like be like, okay, I gotta call these, I gotta make these calls, and uh, yeah. so she talks about her development and that, and how that gave her confidence not only as a player but as a person to then yes. do the advocacy, the co-conspirator, you know, the the activism that she's putting forth, and it's just amazing to see. And those are the stories that. We don't get enough headlines, you know? Yeah. Not at all. And not, and like you said, Antonio, I mean, it's only 144 positions. I mean, this is the top of the top. The You know they have stories. Like, I don't right. get, that's a miss. Big time. Yes, a huge, huge miss. miss. It's huge, huge miss. miss from brands, from the league, et cetera. And, and I say that in the most respectful way possible because I love the league. Right. And I, I just want to see you. more of those stories being told. And, and I think also, too, that continues to create lanes for other players, mm-hmm. younger players that have the same stories that, or have the, uh, different stories that Absolutely. say, you know what, I watch my favorite player really be out front and talk about their experience in whatever um, area they have that experience in. That gives me the confidence to do the same thing. So Absolutely. Um, I, I'm certainly looking forward to the league continuing to tell these stories. Um, I, I can say this really quick about the branding. Um, again, I'm a sneakerhead also. Uh, because <laughs> I, I just feel like you and two. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm a sneakerhead. It seems like basketball culture does that to you. Yep. And and I'll say this from a branding standpoint. I remember being disappointed that I couldn't find Cheryl Swoops' shoe in my size. Aww, I was so I upset. Love that. I'm so upset. Like, I gotta get those, right? And and I yeah. was so upset when I couldn't find her shoe in my size. And I remember going to the stores, I would (laughs) look at East Bay, all these different places, right? And that's when um, sneaker, being a sneakerhead wasn't quote unquote as mainstream as it Uh, is now. There weren't as many sneaker boutiques, all these different things. Right, resale, (laughs) there wasn't any of that. It was just kind of its own little culture, Yeah. right? And I remember... Man, I want. I tried to do everything I could to find her shoe. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, maybe now. This maybe is a now. call out. Yeah, this is a yeah. call out for everyone listening. If you could find it, <laughs> what's your what's your size? Yeah. What's your size? Well, I am a. It depends on the shoe, but sometimes I have to go down in sizes if they run wide. Right. So I wear a twelve. Okay. Um, yeah. So Anybody listening? Get, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to get Cheryl Swoops' shoe. I need those. Bring it back I need on the market. Those. Nice. <laughs> you need the retro, though. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. I agree. Right? Agreed. You need the retro, though. I agree. Agree. And that, uh, that's another thing. Again, money. We want to give you our money. 
Like there's so many things I want to give my money to. And it's like, make it and we will buy it. We will sell it out. So no question about that. No question about that. No well, I'm, I'm so glad that you, we had you on in, in, in this conversation that we're having. Um, we were hoping that you wouldn't leave right away because we have, we want to talk about some uh, of the current developing stories around the proposals. So if we take a quick break, would you be able to um, hang on with us and uh, delve a little deeper into that with your insights? I- Absolutely. I'm having fun. I appreciate you. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. I hope I'm not I talking your ears. No, off. please. No. We're, we're tired of talking. I know. Seriously. <laughs> like you're doing all the heavy lifting. I'm loving it right now. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So we'll just take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about the developing story on the NBA and the WNBA proposals for uh, the coronavirus season, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, when we come back. And we're back. And Antonio is going to stay with us as we move into sports in the age of coronavirus. Um, there was a couple of, of developing stories that I wanted to talk about on this episode. And I'm so glad Antonio could be here to also give some of his expertise on this. So as we've been watching this happen, the NBA is talking about returning. Right. And just recently, um, Chris Haynes put out a report that a lot of the players are actually disappointed by not having a vote regarding the NBA's return. So just a little like backtrack for how this has been developing on May 12th. You know, the NBA superstars um, came out in an established united front to have a private conversation, a conference call, um, to talk about resuming the season. And in that call, you had people like LeBron and Giannis, Kawhi, Steph, Damian, and Westbrook. So that happened, and they all had a united front as players saying, hey, you know, we want the season to restart. June 4th is when the first proposal came out from the NBA And they proposed a 22-team format with a lockdown, kind of like a bubble city, if you will, um, that would be in Orlando, Florida at Disney World. And the players were still um, deliberating on that vote. So then recently, with this report that came out um, by Chris Haynes, he said that there's multiple players that felt that they, you know, they didn't have a voice. They weren't being heard. Um, and this was something that was, it's critically, uh, and potentially a life changing vote, right? Because you are going to be sequestered. You don't know, you know, if you have pre-existing conditions, I mean, COVID is, I mean, it could kill you essentially. Right, um, right. So, yeah, that's a big one. Um, another, another, um, another, th- uh, subject they expressed was that they really believe that it's bad optics for a league to compromise a predominantly black men's sport and sequestering them in one location for three months merely for the to entertain the masses and to ease the league's economic burden so that is like they're saying optically this doesn't feel like it's a good look for us and Mm -hmm. also from a health standpoint you know, we feel like we're not getting enough voice for something that could kill us, essentially, playing that. So Kyrie Irving, from this story, is he's the VP of the National Basketball Players Association, is leading a 200-player conference call 
to kind of discuss more about these points and the proposal um, for the players. And as you know, Kyrie is such an easy target. Like people can, I mean, he's made himself an easy target in a a lot of ways. Yeah. There's a lot of things about Kyrie that's like, (laughs) he's put himself in that position. Um, But in this sense, you know, my my thought is he's trying to do the best thing for the players. So I don't like, I know we all want to like maybe be petty and talk shit about him, but at the end of the day, he's trying to do something for the players. On the, the W side, just really quickly going through their proposal. So initially, Michelle Vopel first reported uh, about the proposal um, for ESPN. And that was what that was saying is, you know, the initial proposal, uh, it came out on June 4th. It was going to be a 22-game season at the IMG Academy in Branton, uh, Brantonton, Florida. Mm-hmm. They, there was going to be a 60% pay to eligible players Children of players, along with caretakers, would be able to be in the bubble, right? Players with five-plus years experience would uh, be allowed to bring uh, a plus one um, when they reach the, the playoffs or the semifinals. Um, players were allowed to opt out with no pay. There was no personal chefs, but they were going to have like Seamless.com or Per Diem for groceries. <laughs> um, the players pushed back. And according to recent sources um, from The Next, which is, was written by Howard Magel, um, Ari Chambers, and Bella Capilani, um, as well as today on Twitter from at Women's Basketball 24-7 and the, at, at The Sky Show Shy, um, the pro- latest proposal has 100% pay to players, including the players with medically certified, certified as high risk if they contracted coronavirus. There's still the opt-out with no penalty, but there would be no pay. And I believe, although I don't have the specifics, um, there would be able to have a plus one, but there'd be an additional cost. Like you'd have to pay $4,000 for them, including like food and and, uh, lodging and what have you. So those are the two proposals. They're developing, you know, as we speak, I'm sure by the time this comes out, it could be signed, sealed, Mm -hmm. delivered. Mm -hmm. But I would like to know, with this story, Antonio, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> how <Yeah. laughs> we yeah. here on the Hoops Talk have said, cancel the NBA season. That has, we love, we love basketball. We have this podcast because of basketball. So no there's question. N- no question around our love for basketball. But we've always felt that, you know, even prior, just the spark of the pandemic, you know, not in addition to everything else that's going on, that, this was this was a time when we could say, okay, let's just close the season. Let's just have it as it is, regroup, do a million other things you could do, and ha- start this season coming up. Because the way that this is structured, you would literally end the season, I guess, in October and start the new season in November anyway. So mm-hmm. there's lots mm-hmm. of complications. Now with you know protests happening, we feel like the league could really be focusing this short period of time to – you know, racial inequality, police brutality, a lot of the issues um, that do affect this predominantly black league, you -hmm. know, that's kind of what we were talking about. And then when it comes to the W, I mean, there's just like forever disrespect that happens to the W, you know, while they're negotiating chefs for the NBA, (laughs) they're getting (laughs) seamless.com. So they're, there's a lot there because, you know, you're looking at two sides of the same coin. 
But at the same time, like, what do we do with this? What, how, what, and then, you know, you hear on Twitter, like, oh, these basketball millionaires, we don't want to hear them complain, mm-hmm. this and that. What are, what are your thoughts hearing this and seeing this develop and having, you know, you have been uh, in these franchises or have been in the NBA and even just like brands like Nike and, and ESPN, like what are your initial thoughts on how this is developing and, and what you think should happen moving forward? Well, one of the things that you alluded to earlier, Liz, is the bottom line is the bottom line, yeah. right? <laughs> and, and, and that's, and when you look at the NBA, it's a couple of things to consider. One, the NBA lost some revenue with what happened mm-hmm. earlier in the season sure. with the Daryl Morey tweet and all of those different things. Sure. So there was a that's revenue true. loss there. Very true. And Very now- true. Here's a reven- another revenue loss with the, and the thing we have to think about with basketball in particular is from a branding perspective, when you talk about partnerships, when you talk about companies actually paying d- dollars to the league to run their spots, to sell their products and wanting people to watch that, the playoffs and the part of the league that we're missing now is the playoffs and we're missing the beginning part of the season for the W right now. Mm-hmm. So what the NBA does is they leverage that when they ask for money from brands to run spots during games. Okay. So they're they're at they ask those brands to pay a premium because right now basketball is if we were in during quote unquote regular times, sure. basketball would command the American sports uh, conscience because we are right. past the NFL draft. Training camp hasn't started for the NFL. Correct. Baseball is too early for people to really start to dive in. And, sure. and the other thing that you think about with baseball as well is MLS and soccer is starting to surpass baseball Yeah. in oh. terms of interest in this country. Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that being said, the NBA and the W, they command the American sports conscience. And the NBA leverages that with respect to the brands when they're asking them to pay for Got it. time to run their spot. Sure. That makes sense. So. It's a huge sort of loss of revenue okay. that the NBA is dealing with on both ends. Okay. So that's the the urgency to bring the season back. Okay. And when you you talk about that from a college perspective, one of the things you have going on in football, this is another argument, but it's the same thing. Mm. You're asking players, predominantly black players that play in college football, to come on campus and play college football games, yep. and the students aren't coming on campus. So now, if you're the NCAA, at that point, if you do that and the students aren't there and you're playing college football, your argument for amateurism in college football completely goes to, it goes to shit. Yeah. Right? That's, <laughs> that's the truth, right? Exactly. So, okay. So with, with, with that being said, it's all about the revenue. It's always about the revenue. And to your point, Liz, that you said about people complaining about millionaire athletes notice we always play with semantics Mm. in 2011 Mm. we had a lockout that's a Mm. lockout and when we say lockout by definition it means that the owners are telling the players don't show up right but who gets the blame for that the players (laughs) because the owners never open up their books yep so people don't know how much owners really make right so it's always on the owners. And so now, I mean, on the players, I'm sorry. So now 
when you juxtapose the players union and um, the NBA right. versus Major League Baseball. Now, one of the things positive that we can say about Major League Baseball with mm. respect to the players union mm. is one of the reasons why they're not playing it now is because the Major League Baseball Players Association mm -hmm. is probably the strongest union in all of American professional sports. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So Interesting. the players are like, nah, we ain't going. Right. <laughs> Not for what you guys are talking about. Sure. So now the season is in jeopardy. Okay. And the NBA Players Association is stronger than the NFL Players Association. Mm -hmm. Totally. But it doesn't have the solidarity that Major League Baseball has. With respect to their players' association. So their players have more of a powerful voice. So mm -hmm. that's why they are like, nah, that's not right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. they're and the players are taking the blame for that. But the reality is that their union is much, and of course, it's always big bank take low bank. So the sure. owners will always win that battle. Yeah. But the players in Major League Baseball are so united. They have such a stronger union than all the other sports mm -hmm. that they um, they can say, you know what? Yeah, it's not mm -hmm. working for us. Sure. And so, so then now we see Kyrie and we see remnants of that where certain mm -hmm. players have agreed, you know, yes, we're going to play. Sure. And these are the ramifications that we're going to compete under. And now you have this pretty substantial voice of players that are saying, Nah, you know what? We right. didn't even have a conversation about this. That's what I'm saying. Right, right. Yes. So yeah. It speaks to the disconnect. And even though the players union for the NBA is strong, yeah. but it's still not at the level of, say, a major league baseball. Okay. And, and so that's something to really sort of consider and, and to really look at. And, you know, I was asked um, by USA Today a few, mm -hmm. this is before we even had a a sort of framework of when the season was going to come back. Mm -hmm. This was okay. we this was almost probably a month and a half ago. Okay. And I was asked if I could ballpark it, um, give me a I was asked to give a percentage mm -hmm. of how many players would really want to go back and play. Mm -hmm. Given all the things that we know from a health standpoint sure. or the things that we don't know from a health standpoint. Right, right. That's right. the bigger issue. There are things right. that we don't know about this. Right. And yeah. as you said, Liz, earlier, we do know that it can kill you, but there yep. are a mm -hmm. bunch of other things that we don't know about this. Right. Right. And and so I was asked to give a percentage of players that will want to come back. And the percentage that I gave, honestly, was about 20 <laughs> percent. And, and, and I thought that I was I thought, you know what, maybe <laughs> that's low. But now, as things are coming out. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't so low. Mm -hmm. right. Because people are thinking about what are we what are we risking here? And this is before we had the things that we have from a social and a societal standpoint that we right. have going on now. Exactly. So this is before that. Right. So now we have the health uh, pandemic mm -hmm. and we have the social things that we better be cognizant of. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we yeah. better look at changing. Absolutely. And, and now, so you have all of these things and then you have people saying, now I don't have to be afraid to voice not only my sure. experience, but where I'm at right now because of my experiences. Sure. And, and, and so now where pe people are voicing that and along with 
the fact that we are in uncertain times from a health standpoint Mm -hmm. and players are saying, wait a minute, why are we really doing this? Right. And so that's the thing that you have going on in the NBA. And then to your point, Liz, in the W, it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. I'm looking at playing. Why are we even playing a 22 game season? Yeah. And, you know, and we just had a, it's so, I feel so bad for players in the W because Mm -hmm. we just had a, a, a big deal in terms of renegotiating the CBA. Yes. And yep, now big. they Huge. can't even realize some of the benefits oh, yeah. of the new, that the new CBA brings. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's, yeah. So it's very unfortunate and that's out of everybody's control. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But, but at the same time, the, the sort of guidelines that they're looking at bringing the league back in just as a fan, and maybe I'm looking at it too much as a fan, mm. but Looking at it, I'm thinking, this, this, why are they doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just, I feel like we have to love the players more than we love the game. Yeah. Exactly. When exactly. it comes to, like, they have the potential, let's say they don't get sick, but they're asymptomatic, and then they go and they give it to a caretaker or, to, you know, yeah. there's just so much we don't, to your possibilities. Point, you, we right. just don't know everything because even if they, you know, I don't know. It's so up in the air. And I just feel like for our entertainment is not enough of a reason. Nope. Unless Agreed. there's a hundred percent buy-in from all the players and they're, they're a hundred percent comfortable with the terms of which they need, they'll be going in and yes. that there's transparency to it. Cause I read, like I was reading the WNBA proposal as it's developing and I'm like, I, do I have to get a lawyer to explain? <laughs> <laughs> That's virtually what you have to do. Yeah, That's what you you may have you may need a lawyer to go to the games. After yeah, exactly. It, you know, as a fan, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Right. It's true. Right. You're gonna have to sign a waiver that says if you die, you're not gonna blame the NBA or anybody. You know what I mean? It's just like, right, right. Uh, I, I, you know, I we love basketball. We would love for sports to come back, but to the mental gymnastics that it takes one to navigate the proposals that are, you're going to sign to play. And then thinking about every time you play the protocols of safety that you're going to have to put in place. How is that going to, how is that going to hurt your game? How is that like the community that then uh, that is from those areas that have to sustain the bubble Right. You know, the right. journalists. All the workers who have to be there. Right. All, the journalists exactly. that come in, are, are they going to have to be in the bubble? You know, I know, like, I, I'm i not an athlete, but I'm here in my house, and I can almost not stand myself in this bubble, you know? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm over that bubble. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're all over the bubble. Agree. Agree. Sometimes and... I get in the car and just have to drive because I'm over the bubble. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Right? Right. <laughs> right? So you get, yeah. I'm sure these players are like, you know, they're not, they're not even going to be in the comfort of their own home. At least we're in the comfort of our own home. We know, you know, our habits, we know the people around us and that's going to be taken. And then even for the W, it's even worse because they're like, okay, if you can't have a plus one unless you're your child. Or you want to pay for it. Or, yeah, yeah, or you're going to pay yeah. for it. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, so I can get 100% of my salary, but I could get sick. And right. I won't even be able to have anybody that I 
would want to have. It's just really bizarre. I just think it's such a, to me, it's like, it's so bizarre to even think that these are the conversations that you're having with a human toll, with a human, like, Right. life that you're like, okay, what are, what are my risk ratios, you know, just so that we can get a game on. And I understand the bottom line. It's always follow the money. It's what I always right. say. I always say, follow the money. Um, and I understand that, but I just think like, if you have, if you don't have enough offshore banks with money in it at this point as an owner that you didn't prepare <laughs> right you, you right prepare, right yeah and i'm <laughs> i get irritated from the whole like you know a lot of people say well don't do this don't boycott this because then workers or people aren't going to benefit you know it's all up to the owners how they redistribute wealth yeah so right. this is on them right. like there That's is exactly plenty right. of money in the nba yeah. i'm sorry there is plenty yeah. like shift that shit around yeah they're swimming That's like fact. scrooge mcduck fact. in like piles of gold <laughs> coins in florida i'm sure like like for real right. like I, and, I, right. and it's almost like okay so if a player opts out you're not going to pay them that doesn't seem right either no. because they're still part of your franchise there's still I know part small of businesses on furlough but they're gonna still pay their workers because of covid like i that makes no sense to me I, I mean and if we know anything about this you know administration they love the money so they're gonna make sure that their counterparts that our owners are going to be just fine. So no one's yacht is going to have to be sold. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead and play all, pay all the players. That's and right. Or in our opinion, we've always been like, just cancel the season. It breaks my heart because let me tell you, we, I had my sparks tickets all ready to go. That's you right. know, I have the WNBA app on my Apple TV, you know, we're buying the Me new too. swag, <laughs> right? We're getting it all right. ready. Cause we're right. just like ready for the yeah. W to happen, you know, as we're, you know, cause we didn't know what's happening in the NBA and yeah, you know, I, but I'm okay. I'll watch Korean baseball. That's hopping. I'm watching that late at night. <laughs> NASCAR yeah. with Bubba. I'm oh, yeah. NASCAR with Bubba. NASCAR's got a new viewer right here. We all ride with Bubba. Let's go, Bubba. That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. I was just telling my friend, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, we had, we had uh, races where I'm from, from Watsonville, the Santa Cruz County Fair. And I said, man, if there was a boy like Bubba at the races, I'd be a NASCAR wifey right now. That is like, that's like NASCAR is so lucky that they have that, uh, you know, whole narrative that they can, whole new, a whole brand new leaf they can turn with just him, you know, starting. But yeah, I mean. <laughs> Go ahead. You, you no, know, I was just going to say, you know, what, what it speaks to, um, and you, Karen and Liz, you, you both are just spot on. And what it speaks to, and I can say this as a Black man, what it speaks to is the other thing, when we go to compete and you're looking at these athletes, what it speaks to is you essentially think that we're superhuman when we're mm -hmm. competing. Yep. And then off the floor, you think I'm subhuman. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and, and that's the dichotomy. And that's mm -hmm. the, you know, that's what's at stake here. And that's what, at the, at the core of it, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and I know people, it may not be the on-brand thing to say, but it's the facts. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 and so, again, you, you, 
So when you look again in college basketball, so you're telling me, or college football, mm -hmm. so you're telling me again, these athletes, these basketball, these football players, as we all know, football is not a social distance sport. Neither is yeah. basketball. No, a lot football of sweat, is a collision spit. sport, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. football is a collision sport. Basketball is a contact sport. Yeah. And and so these aren't social distancing sports. Mm -hmm. And so you're telling me that again, are you telling me that these athletes are superhuman enough where they can go and make money for you, but the, the conditions are such that the students can't be there? Right. And, well, and yeah. you know, and it's one of the things that when Val Ackerman, again, shout out Val, uh, <laughs> Was was the uh, president of the W when I was there? Right. Um, she said for the Big East, she said if, if the students aren't on campus, there are no Big East sports. Right. Yep. And True. and that and that was it. Mm -hmm. And there, there's no well, let's talk. No, that's it. If they yeah. if the students aren't on campus, we can't play. Yeah. And and for me, that is the boat that I'm in. And again, mm -hmm. as you all both so eloquently said, I love this sport. I could couldn't wait for the W. Can't wait. And but at the expense of their health, I can wait. Yeah. Yeah. And you I know, and the wait. and the facts that you said, you know, superhero on court, subhuman, off court. Right. Those facts, you didn't make those facts. Nope. Right. The other people made the facts. Right, right. Let's right. remember that. Right. Let's remember where those facts come from. Not from you, because you're you right. didn't make them. So those are that's what I that's where they need to show us that they're understanding what's happening in the movement, in society, in the world. Mm -hmm, and right. if they could just have that conversation, maybe, maybe yeah. something. I don't and know. Let's remember to pull up that green curtain and show what's the predominant race in management and leadership and yes. even fans, the ones especially right. who are like, right. I want this game now. Right. It's like, oh, right. okay, I see you. Right. Absolutely. That's facts. That is spot on. Mm -hmm. Spot on. That is absolutely true. Especially, you know, in most games you go and you you go and you look at the lower bowl. Oh yeah, and right. Looks, the course. Right. <laughs> right. It it looks oftentimes yeah. it looks different than the players that are out there playing. Yep. And yep. so exactly right, Karen. Like they are they are the ones I need this, I need this now. Mm -hmm. And you have sort of dehumanized the athlete. Absolutely. You have made them a, and it's a weird dichotomy. It's something that we um, often carry. It's something that throughout my career, it, it's it's a skill and it takes a toll on you at the same time. Sure. To, and, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible mm -hmm. in my working career mm -hmm. of knowing when you want me to exhibit my quote unquote knowledge that's beyond this problem right. that you're at that needs to be solved. Knowing when you want me to do that and know, okay, now I did it. Now I got to know that you want to put me back in my box. Yeah. Right. right. And, and, and now Ooh. it's my, and my, and again, I mean this in the most, in the most respectful and lack of conceit when I say this, yeah. but I have to know when you want me to be smart, when you want me to do mm. these things that go above and beyond my respective job title. Yeah. And when you want me to, okay, just do what you asked me to do. Mm. Right. And what, what, and, and so that is a skill that is something that takes an incredible toll on you sure. to not go to work and say, you know what, I'm just going to go here and just be the best version of me mm. and contribute to the place that I work at. Mm. 
Yeah. And, and, and so when people mm. always talk about this diversity, it's one of the reasons why I actually don't like the term mm. because diversity and when we see it in the workplace, it almost, you're almost inferring tolerance. Tolerance mm. and understanding and tolerance and acceptance are two different things. Yes, sure. Yes. Right. And so now when you say diversity, okay, as a black man, I, I, I check the box. I'm here. Mm. But if you really want to find the best ways to solve problems, it's the diversity of thought. Yep. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And taking all of that thought into account and, and, and solving the problem mm. and not be threatened because I'm good at what I do. Yeah. Right. And, and it, it's, it's incredibly difficult to have to mat, to manage that mm-hmm. and to have mm-hmm. to go to work and think about, okay, what do you, what do you want me to do today? Or what do mm-hmm. you want me to do in this instance? It's incredibly difficult to have to think about. And Liz and I experienced too, or be the one person in the room that's like, wait, hold do I have to say everything? Do we have yeah. to scream this out loud and then also be seen as like the difficult one? That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Where you have to be seen as the difficult one. Um, also operate just when you look at in, in the black community, there is no sort of one experience and we're all the same. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I take that into account. But then also when I'm sitting in a, in a meeting and I may be the only person of color in there, mm-hmm. it's even though there isn't there isn't one experience, there are a myriad of different experiences, views, mm. ways of thinking, et cetera. But you also have to operate as the quote unquote spokesman of of because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. you know it, it's so. And then one of the things you know to talk about it from a basketball perspective, when you look at the Last Dance and you look at Phil Jackson or you look at Steve mm. Kerr or you look at Greg Popovich, those coaches were able to sustain a a long run of of success because they identified they got outside of their own experience Mm. because greg popovich steve kerr and phil phil jackson represent a group in america honestly that they can be successful and not only have to they don't have to take into account liz's experiences karen's experiences Antonio's experiences, they not only do not have to take them into account, they can actually be dismissive and disrespect, disrespectful to us and mm. still be successful. Yeah. Yeah. White men can do that in this country. Oh, yeah. And, mm. and so they actually, they were able to sustain their experience, I mean, their success mm. because they actually took a look at their locker room and said, you know what? If I connect with these players outside of this round, orange, brown ball mm. that they're playing with, I can then achieve the buy-in from a coaching perspective. Right. So Phil Jackson mm-hmm. gave books to players and things. You hear about this a lot. Yeah. Each player got a, a, a different book. Yep. And that book was sort of representative of where that player was in their respective journey in their career, in their mm. in their lives. And so what the player looks at, once they get past this is corny and they actually peel the onion and look at what it's doing. Mm -hmm. It's saying Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson is saying, you know what? I've observed you. I've listened to you. I know Mm -hmm. where you are in your career. These are some of the things that can be helpful to you for this point and Mm -hmm. that you can build a platform that you can catapult off of for Mm -hmm. success in the future. Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr 
when they when people ask him them about the current person that's in office right now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They spare no words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they say everything. Yeah. And so what that communicates to those players is this guy cares about me yep. more than just the basketball player. Right. Right. And then from there, they get that buy-in that they need to be successful to allow these players to develop. And that's buy-in that you're going to need because in the NBA, when you're drafting players and they are one year removed from high school, yeah, they are not fully mature. Yeah, totally. So if you want to get to the sweet part of their basketball production, then you better appeal to their development. Mm. And and when I say appeal to their development, I'm not talking about listening to Travis Scott and and that that's that's TikTok. superficial stuff, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's superficial stuff. That's superficial. I mean, really peeling the onion. Yeah. And the organizations that do that are the ones that are successful because the reality is, when you look at professional players and succeeding at that level, mm. the overwhelming majority of professional players are successful. Be their position, their situation, mm. meaning who's the coach, what's the organization like, what system do they run, who are the teammates, those aspects in terms of developing as players are probably just as important as their talent. Yeah. Yep. Yes. And the players that don't receive that enrichment are the ones that fall by the wayside more mm. times than not. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that's one of the things I say a lot. When players fail, it's rarely because of the talent. Right. They've mm-hmm. been scouted backwards and forwards. They yep. don't fail right. because they're, it's very rare that a player fails in the in W or in the NBA because they're simply just not good enough. Right, right, right. You know, when we watch, again, shout out Kelsey Plum, we want her to get healthy. Mm-hmm. As we watched her development, oh, she absolutely. was always good enough to do the things that she's doing. Totally. It's other things happen for her from a mental standpoint. Yeah. Them investing in her development. Yeah. That's what gave her the confidence to do what she did in the playoffs last year. You saw it. She was, we saw yes. it. We saw she her. She was always that talented. Yeah. But it came alive. Like it something alive. just twisted sure, yeah. and yes. it just came alive. Yes. And she was yes. just, she was activated in a way that, you know, really enriched the team, but with yes. her individual talent. No question. And I can tell you as a guard, you know, when you're on the floor with bigs that not only are as talented, but have the basketball IQ mm. of Asia Wilson and the Liz, the Liz Cambage, mm-hmm. it makes it a lot easier for you to start doing your thing. Yeah, sure. right? very true. So, so with that being said, you know, De'Erica Hamby, like all mm-hmm. those, like, you know, she's on the floor with amazing players. And again, yeah. credit to her for doing what she did. Mm-hmm. But invested in her development some things clicked with her and now it all started to come together in the playoffs for her so that's the plight for most every player that's in the league right you know there are a handful of players that it doesn't matter who the teammates are it doesn't matter what the what the conditions are they're going to be successful there's like five players that are really like that Mm -hmm. you know everybody else it's all of the ancillary things Mm-hmm. that yeah. make them successful. Yeah. And so yeah. um, so I, I think in the organizations, whether you're in the W or whether you're in the NBA, the organizations that invest in those aspects yeah. are the ones that have sustained success to a certain degree. Totally. And the ones that don't are the ones that are always struggling every year. 
you need to go talk to the Knicks. <laughs> I think. Well, Antonio the needs them to be successful. Oh God, yeah. Right. My, right. my husband needs them to be successful. <laughs> okay, as a Knicks fan, I need them to be them. successful for my husband. So yeah. Right. Uh, um, Antonio, I this was so awesome. To yeah. Talk to you. Thank we could you go so on much. And on and on oh, and on. for sure. We're gonna run out of tape though, and as they say, <laughs> the old days. Um, but it was it, it was so interesting to hear your point of view um, on the things that are happening right now with the proposals. Um, and how the players are, you know, you put yourself in their shoes and we love to hear that. And that's such a great perspective. And, um, I'm, I'm gonna let you leave with, with just one last thought. I, what I want from you, cause our show will air on Wednesday. Do okay. you think that the NBA and WNBA will have signed agreements by the time this show airs? Will there be a season? What's the percentage or just a yes or no? I'll let you do either or. Um, I, I think I would say 75% that they will have a season. Okay. And, and, um, I think they will find a way to figure this out. Um, and, and I do think they'll have a season. And as I say that again, that's not saying because I want a season at all, at any cost, right. because I don't, I yep. don't. But but I think I do think they will have a season. I think the financial ramifications are just too great mm. for people that have deeper pockets than the players. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think I think they'll have a season. And I well, think it'll be worked out. It, it you this is a crystal ball. We're right gonna here. see what happens. Yeah. We'll, have, we'll have we'll have scooped it if it happens. And when it when this comes out on Wednesday, we will have you on record. And you know, go buy a lottery ticket if it if comes true. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, exactly. <laughs> so, Antonio, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you again so much for coming on. We wholly appreciate it. Very appreciate it. Our podcast is open for you anytime. You just want to jump on. You want to throw us some stuff, or let's let's just keep the conversation going because there's even without sports, there is so much so to talk much about. Yep. Yes, um, yes. and, uh, we really look forward to, uh, seeing your work before you go, tell us, tell our audience all the places they can see you, read you, TikTok you, whatever, whatever it is. Right. What, what are your handles? So my handles are a dot Williams basketball, and that's on Facebook, IG, Twitter, and not creative with the spelling, just how it, a I dot love Williams it. Said. Easy. Get to the basketball. point. Right. Get to the point. Make it easy for everybody to find me. <laughs> um, so I'm there. And again, I'm talking about not only basketball, but other things as well. I would love to have you all on. And, Ooh, and, and, definitely. and yes, yes. <laughs> kind of flip the script and ask questions as well, because uh, I'm all about having people that are about it. Right. People that are out <laughs> here doing things. And um, so <laughs> and, as opposed to just talking. And, sure. and so I certainly want to hear you all's perspective. I'm such a big fan of what you all do. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you again for having me. Um, and looking forward to continuing this fellowship. You guys are so important. So oh, thank important. you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. It's yes. always good to hear it. <laughs> Never tire of it. Always need a little blow up every once in a while. Yes. So it. <laughs> no, thank you're you. So important. 
Thank you. Thank you so much, Antonio. And uh, when we come back, Karen and I will finish up this situation. And we are back. Energy. My heart, my brain, all of it. Energy, energy. Antonio Williams. Guys. Thank you again for joining us. Seriously, check him out. A dot Williams basketball. Easy. As as you hear it and spell it, of course, we put it on the episode notes, but that was such a great conversation. It was so in-depth. In-depth. Yes. Deep. Profound. Very much so. Very much so. Um, I feel like it could almost be like a two-parter or something. It's long. I get it. (laughs) Bear with us. But the the conversation was just like, it was so riveting, you know? I just feel like... His perspective for all the time and expertise that he has in the industry, and then it w- it was great. I'm I'm so glad that um, we had him on, and that conversation yeah. was just it just you know we could have gone forever. So forever. we're gonna have him back on. Oh yeah, and you know like Ari mentioned on another show, let's really think about some virtual conference with some of the folks we've oh. talked to. Have special like segments or talks on topics that they're experts or passionate in. I mean. We can get real deep here, bro. Manifest, manifest. Uh, Light some candles. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe get some. And then we know we got to think about the bag, get some partnerships, get some brands, some swag bags. You know what I mean? Totally, (laughs) totally. You know, I always take it from here and you always take to hundreds. And that's what I love about you. (laughs) The worst, sorry. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, we should maybe try an IG live. And you're like, swag, sponsors, brands. And I'm like, oh my God. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> well, that's why I love you. That's why I appreciate you. That's why we're a good partnership. So I get it. I get it. Um, we did miss you, Kendall. Um, yeah. Are you going to be able to enjoy this listening as an audience member? So we're, you know, we want you back ASAP, but we hope Fix you that tooth. This. Yes. Get those teeth pulled. Get yourself some narcotics and white claw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a Guy Fieri marathon. And you're going to be all good. <laughs> well, we, there was a bunch of things, of course, going on that we wanted to talk about. But I think we are tapped. And yeah. um, we hit the, the majors that we wanted to have Antonio's expertise on. So with that said, unless um, you have anything else, I think I'm ready to wrap this show. I mean, oops. I just one quick plug on our Red Bubble store. We've got masks, baby. Hoops talk masks. So Hoops. two birds with one stone. Stay there safe. There you go. And promote. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, right? Safely promote us. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> bought some. So when they come in, you know, photo shoot. Oh, yes. I can't wait. Okay, I have to buy some. I have to buy some. Okay, so that's <laughs> a, on Red Bubble. You get a discount for buying four, three or more or four or more. So there you go. FYI. You know you got four three or four more faces that need to be covered. So just buy bulk, baby, buy bulk. Um, we have a link actually to our Redbubble on our uh, profiles on all of our um, social accounts. So you can find it there. I did the link tree again so that we can have nice. like a bunch. So, cause I'm like in there, you know me, I'm tweaking. You're in the zone. I'm in the zone, you know me. Um, well, beyond besides that, um, we just want to say thank you for listening. Um, make sure you subscribe and review and, um, we're on Apple podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on everywhere you enjoy your podcasts. We also, um, make sure, you know, the good news radio app, you can download that, listen to us at six 30. 
Um, we're on social. We're very active on social. We're like really going to town on social. I mean, we're sitting Twitter, at home, you know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> We've given up on seasons. We were just like, let's just tweet. Um, so we're on Twitter um, and Instagram at the Hoops Talking. YouTube, subscribe. You want to see the premieres as they're coming out. We're on the TikTok at the Hoops Talk Podcast. Um, you know, I think uh, let me do our little music here and. We hope that you enjoyed. Karen, how do we want to keep it? Sweaty. Sweaty.